Welcome to episode number 194 of the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. This episode of the podcast is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree, Oja Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. I'm Ryan Coop here, joined this evening by Adam Stewart and Trey Colbeck, as always, on a Thursday night with our Grey Cup preview show. Can you believe it? We are here for the Grey Cup, finally. Uh, as uh, It's this weekend. It's this Sunday. The big game is here. Winnipeg, Toronto. One of these teams is taking home Grey Cup 109. We got a jam-packed show here for you today. We'll talk about some of the latest news from around the uh, CFL. Uh, we'll touch on the CFL award winners. The awards show just went on here just a moment ago, uh, and all the winners have been posted. We'll preview the major storylines, the positional matchups for the Grey Cup game, talk our CFL fantasy option. We'll make our betting picks uh, as well uh, with some some fun, uh, I think, prop bets along the way here also. We'll also take your comments and questions in the live chat. I see some of you in here already, which is great to see. All made possible by presenting sponsor GameTime TV. Learn more by visiting GameTimeTV.ca or following on Facebook, facebook.com backslash GameTimeTVMB. Well, I mentioned them already, but let's welcome them in officially here now. First, it's a man uh, decked out in his bomber gear, looking to see his team uh, complete the three-peat this weekend. The great Trey Colbeck is here. Trey, how are you tonight? I'm all right, man. I'm getting to that busy part of school, man. You know how it is, like exam. I don't have any exams, but final papers, final presentations. So big weekend. I'm trying to get the energy. Today was my last day of school of the week. I got a nice little drive tomorrow that I got to get some Betty by for after this and uh, go see Adam and Regina. Yes, exciting times. Trey going to be on location for the Grey Cup going to the game this weekend. Looking forward to hearing about your experience with all of that. Uh, and joining us here this evening as well, uh, he's traded in his Argos hat from the past couple of weeks. He's back decked out in the Saskatchewan green, farmer in Saskatchewan, the great Adam Stewart. Adam, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing good. Just enjoying, you know, what not. It's a great cup season. It's play, or it's time to go and have a party in Saskatchewan. Why wouldn't I wear some Saskatchewan gear for a little bit of a change? Uh, no, I'm excited for the weekend here. Can't wait to see everybody out at the uh, at the parties in Regina this weekend. So we'll see you there. Yes, uh, a lot of fun festivities as the week goes along. Uh, the CFL, you know, the Grey Cup is not just a one-day game. It's really a week-long event. It's a celebration of the sport. It's a celebration of the fans that make the, the league what it is. And uh, it's exciting to see everybody gathering together even though you know i feel a little left out at times when uh when i'm not able to make it there but i uh, know i hope everybody has a good fun safe gray cup week uh and let's get into talking about things here shortly for this week but first let's take a moment to thank one of our sponsors for this episode of the podcast which is betstamp uh there are so many different sports books out there these days and each one offers you different prices for the same games uh, how do you ensure you're getting the best value? Well, BetStamp provides you the info at no additional cost. You simply pull up the game, such as the Grey Cup, on the BetStamp app. You can see the odds offered by all of the different sportsbook affiliates for that game. You can find different spreads, different payouts for the same odds, uh, all in one convenient place. And if you find some you like, you can sign up for the corresponding site directly through the BetStamp bet link page. 
link your picks there, track your picks in your account uh, as you go throughout the year. Uh, and if you want some extra insight before you make your wagers, you can check out the commission-free bet stamp marketplace. You can see the bets that others have been placing there as well. Through the verified bet tracking feature, you get the guarantee that those odds are legitimate. You can find our consensus CFL picks there under the username CF Countdown Pod. You can also check out Trey's weekly uh, betting picks under Trey CF Countdown. Visit betstamp.app or download the free app from your local app store. Sign up with referral code CFC to start using BetStamp free today. Best of luck with your wagers and remember, always bet responsibly. Now, guys, let's get into talking about our first topic here this evening. Let's touch on a bit of news, and uh, I do not have banners ready to put up on the screen, so I'll try to get those ready as we go along. A bit of a last-minute planning today. Uh, but our first major news topic, maybe one of the most absurd ones of the entire season we've had to talk about here, is Tom Brady saying he wants to play in the CFL one day. Yes, NFL quarterback, what, five-time Super Bowl champion, six-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady goes and wins an NFL game over in Germany. I think that's now four countries where he's won a game and decides he wants a crack at the CFL now because he plays his best uh, in other countries, which is hard to believe uh, given his caliber of talent. So what was your guys' reaction to this uh, this news here? Let's start with you, Trey. My honest reaction was classic Grey Cup week. There's going to be CFL news that's not Grey Cup related. We had the whole bow thing. And um, I feel like there was something else now that I can't remember. And now Tom Brady. It's a complete joke. You know, like he he he's not coming here, people. Like, yeah, it's great to give CFL, you know, that's little time on, in the spotlight, especially this week of all times. I mean, if he, I don't think so. I don't know. There's like the part of me that wants maybe, but no, 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 no. Adam, what do you think, man? I don't know. Well, as one of the teams looking for a quarterback, I mean, we'd, I think, welcome our new Tom Brady with uh, open arms and welcome him to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And it's never going to happen. I mean, it would be awesome if it did, and it would be just an amazing sight to behold seeing Tom Brady walk out at uh, Griffith Stadium to pretty much like a sold-out stadium because, you know, every person would be there. They could charge tickets to, to see it. It would be a frenzy. Uh, I still remember the time when Vince Young came to Saskatchewan for a little bit, and that was a frenzy. So uh, this would just be mind-shattering but you know what? It's never going to happen. So, you know what? Cool idea. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not holding my breath. I, I mean, I hear there is a house in Regina that might be for sale, right? But Levi Mitchell's house might be back up on the market um, after supposedly, like you told me the other day, he legitimately bought a house in Regina. Uh, I guess maybe under anticipation he's going to go to the Riders this offseason. That is right, Scott traded to the Ticats. So we'll continue to see what's happening with that throughout the offseason. But yeah, this Tom Brady news, I thought it was interesting because the tweet came out. And then I think I, I retweeted it from the show account with something along the lines of, I hear there's a house in Regina available. And the tweet was deleted right, right away. But I still saw it many times around on social media. So I don't know what happened there necessarily. But it's not bad publicity right like uh if you get you know the arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the history of football talking about the cfl and that blowing up everywhere yeah 
I think that's good publicity for the league, or it's certainly not bad publicity. And there's different levels of things. You get NFL players all the time coming over here and saying like, oh yeah, I can run all over the the, the CFL and you know, uh, really just basically use that to get my way back to the NFL. I think this one's a little bit different because Tom Brady should be able to come to the CFL and, and, you know, uh, just light it up. He should, he does it in the NFL. Maybe not as much right now this season, but he's the caliber of player that if he did come to the CFL, I would expect to light up the league. So I don't think this is the similar case that we normally get of like, oh yeah, some, you know, maybe NFL has been, or a guy who's, career has gone downhill is going to come up here run all over us in Canada and get back to the NFL uh I still don't think this is happening either but I don't think it's bad publicity for the league no it's perfectly fine for the league I mean let's face it it's it it gets the word out about the CFL and somebody might just happen to look up hey what's the CFL uh you never know in the deep south or somewhere else or in Tampa Bay they never maybe even heard of the CFL so why not? I mean, it's better than nothing. The only thing I can also say, though, if he actually does come to uh, Canada, in particular the Riders, I'm sorry, but 12 is not available. So don't even think about it. It ain't happening. Trey? No, just uh, seeing Chris's comment, he's actually not played in Canada. Uh, it's the four games, two in London, one in Mexico, and one in England, or one in Germany now. So he's never actually had the chance to... Uh, to play here yet, which I thought maybe he did with the Bills playing in Toronto. You would think maybe the Patriots would be a team that would come up here, but no, not yet. So that's the only other real country he can check off his list right now, unless he goes really down the tiers and plays in some of those European or leagues or in uh, Japan or something. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's his age was one thing. Um. Sorry, I was just, I'm reading comments sometimes. It throws me off. Uh, his age throws me off. Maybe if this was five years ago, I'd be more, or, you know, kind of looking into it. I don't, do you really want a 40, whatever, 46, 47 year old Tom Brady coming in the league next year? Like, yeah, the name power is great, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if that's, this happens one day, but uh Fun, fun little news round to start off the uh, the Grey Cup week, I, I thought, uh, especially after the Bowie by Mitchell trade news the day before. Uh, you know, there was a, a lot of CFL out there in the media uh, coming into this week, which is exciting because this is the most important week of the year, arguably, for the league. It's championship week. You want people talking about it. Uh, but let's get into talking about players that are in the league and uh, are going to be in the league going forward. Uh, the CFL Awards show just ended, I think, a bit ago, or it's still going. Uh, the CFL has announced its award winners. We had the finalists, uh, you know, come out a couple weeks ago. We discussed all of those at the time. But now we have the official award winners. Uh, do, do one of you guys have them up in front of you here and want to run through them for us quickly, and then we'll get reactions on them? Yeah, I have them right here. Um, oh. It, my Twitter just refreshed. Here we go. Yeah, so we want to start the first one. Uh, most outstanding rookie goes to Winnipeg Blue Bombers Dalton Schoen. So what are you guys' thoughts on that one? I mean, to me, it was an obvious choice. I mean, to me, I think they said that this was the widest margin that anybody's ever won this award, if I'm not mistaken. I think it's handled as like 44 votes to four. So, I mean, four guys must have maybe felt that Filippo is more deserving. I'm not sure how, but okay. 
Uh, the guy just dominated the year. I mean, what else is there to say? I mean, it well, well, well deserved. Right? Uh, there would have been riots in the streets if Dalton Schoen didn't win that one. Uh, you know, people are passionate about what they believe in when it comes to CFL talent. But I don't think you're going to see much of an argument from anybody from any fan base across the league that Dalton Schoen was the winner of Rookie of the Year. Sorry, we'll move on here. Defensive Player of the Year goes to Lorenzo Malden of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Again, I, I probably would have maybe more leaned towards Sean Lemon just because. Sorry. Yeah, no, Sean Lemon, I think, was my choice because I think that he maybe gave a little bit more to the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, however, Lorenzo Malden, the fifth, had a very, very good season as well. Actually, uh, fourth, sorry. Uh, had a very good season as well. And on an Ottawa team that really kind of lacked uh, offensive power power, he was out there a lot. So, uh, no, it was a good choice as well. Ryan? I believe, and I'm just double checking. Yeah, Lorenzo Malden, like uh, all the talk around Sean Lemon was the number of sacks, forced fumbles, and that. And he put up, Malden put up three more. He put up the most in the league in terms of sacks at 17. And that's on an Ottawa team that did not look good very many times this year. So as much as Sean Lemon's name got out there in the media, I think he played on a better team here. And I think putting up a performance like this on a, on a team uh, like the Red Blacks and the struggles they had this season. Uh, huge off-season acquisition for Sean Burke bringing over his guy. I think he was his guy in Hamilton, brought him over to Ottawa. And yeah, that paid off very well in the, the first year there for both of them. So uh, I agree with this one as well. All right. In the 2022 Most Outstanding Special Teams player of Adam Saskatchewan Rough Riders. You got one good thing this year you can uh, be happy about. That's uh, Mario Alford. Uh, let's start with Ryan. What are your thoughts on this one? Uh, who was he up against on the other side? Was it Chandler Worthy? Uh, so, interestingly, one Montreal uh, return man that got traded to Saskatchewan against one Montreal return man that got traded from Toronto uh, earlier in the uh, season, I believe, or was let go and picked up. Um yeah, I, I like that one. I, I I think Mario Alford was the most outstanding player on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Maybe Darnell Sankey, he did have a lot of tackles to his credit. Uh, but Mario Alford made a huge impact on that team and uh, was explosive. And as you guys corrected me, uh, you know, a week or two ago, was the only one other than Janarian Grant to pick up a punt return touchdown this season. So two good returners. I will uh, not surprise Mario Alford won that one. Adam? Yeah, no, I'm not surprised either. I mean, Mario Alford essentially was the outstanding player for the Rough Riders. Uh, whenever we needed a big play, I mean, there was Mario Alford when we needed a spark. Unfortunately, the spark turned into nothing most days. But uh, he was on a tough team, and he played very well. Chandler Worthy can't, can say the same thing. I mean, he had two returns against the Riders uh, in the one game against Montreal in Montreal this year. And, uh, no, he had a good season as well. Uh, to me, Mario Alfred, though, again, seeing the team that he had around him, uh, yeah, definitely worthy of this award. And by the way, Trey, this is the second award that the our first award the Riders won tonight. The Riders did win a second one. Oh, did they? I missed which one? Well, we'll talk about it later because up next is Offensive Lineman of the Year that I have here goes to the Winnipeg Blue Bomber, Stanley Bryant. And I think this like this offensive line is such a tough one. Like, how do you? There's no real stat unless you go like sacks against or something. But then it's still hard to give it to one guy. 
So to me, it was you're going to give it to the best offense or one of the best teams in the league, right, Adam? Yeah, no, it, well worthy of it. I mean, Stanley Bryan has done so much again for this uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers team. Uh, he's one of their veterans and one of their rocks on the corner and on the side, and he's just he's always there. He doesn't seem to ever get beat on a play. So to me, yeah, this one also is probably maybe a little bit more of a no-brainer, I think. Uh, not saying that uh, the other nominee there didn't have really a great season. He did too. Uh, but no, it's Stanley Bryant. Yeah, of the two nominees, Stanley Bryant makes more sense to me than Brandon Revenberg, given the struggles of the Hamilton's offense and Dane Evans at quarterback this year. And I feel like the offensive line didn't do a great job of, you know, uh, helping him settle in there in, in that offense. I would agree Stanley Bryant was the better option of the two. I still don't know if he was the best offensive lineman in the West Division. I don't even think he was the best offensive lineman uh, on his team. I think that was Jamarcus Hardrick. But uh, given the options available, yeah, Stanley Bryant is always going to carry a heavy favor of the votes. And you're right, Trey, it's tricky because there's no stats available. But I almost actually, in a weird way, like that award more uh, because I think oftentimes we look at stats sheets as validation for the quality of a player. And there are a lot of good players out there that go unnoticed because they're doing different things that are key to winning football games that don't show up on the stats sheet. So, uh, now shout out to the offensive linemen. They don't get enough credit. No, they do not. Do not. On to coach of the year, Mr. Beard and Cargo Shorts. Uh, O'Shea, 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 O'Shea wins it for the back-to-back year. Again, it's really, this is another interesting one because, like, how do you judge it? Do you judge it on overall team success? Do you base it off of success from last year? You know, it's real hard to go from here. Um, who is the Eastern candidate? Uh, you know, uh, Ryan Dinwiddie. Oh, Dinwiddie. Yeah, I guess between the two, you'd have to give. I think you give it to Osh over Dinwiddie. But you know, it's an interesting one where I'm surprised. I, I I almost would rather to maybe not all nine, but some categories maybe don't do an East West until like the night of and kind of leave it because you know especially with a nine-team league, you know, sometimes we have this thing where there's four guys all deserving it of the West division and not necessarily in the East. So, but anyway, I think Osh is a good choice. Ryan, what do you feel about Osh getting it again? Yeah, I, it's certainly an impressive season for the team. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, uh, that, uh, and he's a large part of that, finding a way to get his guys ready for almost any game except the ones going into the bye weeks, uh, which were the only downers here for them. Mike O'Shea is the, the class of the league when it comes to coaching. And so he deserves coach of the year, I would say. But I also really got to give credit to Ryan Dinwiddie. And I could see an argument for why he may have deserved it as well. The Argos had so many injuries on their defense this year and still had one of the top defenses out there, I feel like. Uh, you know, they had a lot of rotating pieces in there. Uh, and he did a lot of good things. And I think he improved a lot as a coach from last year as well. But at the end of the day, O'Shea is the class of the league, no doubt about that, in my opinion, uh, Adam. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, yeah, best coach, I mean, keeps his guys playing for 60 minutes, has to get them to focus because, you know, they get a lot of buys with the uh, West Final instead of just in that last little bit. I mean, you could have expected a lesser coach to probably 
uh, let his team have a little bit of rest, and all of a sudden they're rusty. And the Bombers did not come out rusty against the BC Lions in the West Final. And well before that, I mean, a 15-3 record's nothing to sneeze at. He's had a great season overall. And uh, you're right, nothing to say wrong about Ryan Dinwiddie as well. He's improved his team. They look better than they did last year. It seems like McCall Bethel Thompson really does uh, work well with Ryan Dinwiddie and uh, the rest of the offense there in Toronto. And I believe that, yeah, he, he was a worthy nominee for the East, but uh, that beard was just too majestic. It, it had to be uh, Mike O'Shea. I just, I'm just going to flip it through Twitter. I'm going to change it just real quick here. Bo Levi, because again, and Chris made their, I'm um, sorry, Richard made the comment about Bo. He's posing with guys that already have his jersey in Hamilton. And he's saying he might not even sign there. Like, that just seems like the biggest F you ever if he doesn't sign in Hamilton now. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's also Ryder fans out there with Bo Levi jerseys too, and he's been that, taking pictures with them. So, yeah. Oh, that, Maybe he'll take $70,000 signing bonus and then retire. I hear that's a thing to do. Oh, I've never heard of that option before. Yeah, but you know, okay. I just, I just opened Twitter and I was like, that's the first thing that popped up. I was like, what's that guy doing? Because like, oh, okay. Anyway, we'll move on. Most outstanding Canadian. I, 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 to some people, no surprise. It's the whole how many games did he play debate for me. But of course, it's uh, Captain Canada here, Nathan Rourke. Um, I know what Ryan's going to say. He's the chairman and founder and CEO and chief financial officer of the Nathan Rourke uh, Hall of Fame Club. So let's go to Adam first on this one. I'm, I'm right with Ryan, honestly, because the the guy there was just absolutely dominant in every one of his games, minus maybe the West Final. And that I think we know why he wasn't. Uh, looked absolutely amazing any game he played earlier in the year. No, no, no shot to Curly Dittons Jr. He had a great year for the Toronto Argonauts as well. I mean, you could make a very good case, and most years it would be Gurley Gittins Jr., uh, just because the way he played this year. But when you've got a, a quarterback that's Canadian that can absolutely dominate in the CFL and just look like he was doing it with ease and with, having fun out there and being a great role model for this BC Lions and for just in general for the area, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, – that that Nathan Rourke was the guy that you had to have there. Uh, Ryan, I'm sure I know your answer on why this is. Yeah, well, first of all, if you don't have a podcast and use your platform to just hype up your own CFL fantasy abilities, what's the point? Remember in our fantasy draft preseason when we had to pick two Canadians to be on our roster? And, uh, oh, yeah, I have the West Division nominee and the East Division nominee at the start of the year and all season long. Yeah, Nathan Rourke, Curly Gittins Jr. Truly believe these are two of the top Canadian players in the entire CFL, and they were the rightful nominees here. I know there was talk Nick Dembski. <laughs> uh, Nick Dembski, I think, uh, could have been worthy of a nominee. You know, Keon Schaefer-Baker in Saskatchewan had a great season there as well. Brady Oliveira rushed for 1,000 yards. I can think of a number of good Canadian players uh, that uh, – you know, made a positive impact on the league. And I feel like we're getting more and more of those guys, which is great to see as well. But Nathan Rourke, to me, was the best player out there. If he would have played all season, I think he would have uh, he would have been the front runner for MOP, most outstanding player yet as well. Uh, I think most outstanding Canadian is the least we can give him here. And for me, the 
big thing with it also is who has the greatest impact on the future of Canadian talent in the CFL. And Gittins Jr. sure showed up a good season here. There's no question it's Nathan Rourke, in my opinion. Uh, Trey, do you agree with uh, the choice of Rourke here, or are you on a different page? I want to see, like, the actual outline of what, like, what most outstanding Canadian means. You know, that that's kind of my issue. My issue is with the games played. And I understand what you guys are coming from, that he did a lot more in, whatever, 9, 10 games than some players have done all year. And that's for sure why I didn't give him MOP, because... To me, to be the most outstanding, you need to play, right? Like, you kind of need... Well, that's the difference between outstanding and valuable, right? That's that key word. Because if an MVP, to be the valuable to your team, you need to be available to be valuable. And I don't know, do you have to be available to be outstanding? I don't know. You got to go back to the... whoever, Wherever that big book probably says of what the definitions are. Uh, sorry, who was the Eastern one again? I'm sure you said it. Gittins Jr. Gittins Jr.? Now, I guess you have to give it to Rourke over him. And I think someone in the chat just made a point. You might have to give it to him anyway, because he might not be in the CFL next year, right? So you might not have a shot to win anything like that again. And kind of a fair, he couldn't win the cup, boy, but here's an MOC, right? So I guess that's the best you can do. Uh, and last but not least, unless I missed any, did I miss any? Uh, yeah, no, the uh, Jake Gardier, uh Leadership Award, I just wanted to bring that one up, is number 67, Dan Clark. So we got our second award nomination for uh, the guy, and well-deserved, to be honest with you. I mean, the guy has persevered through anything that gets him down. The guy went and broke his leg and still came back in, what, 10 weeks? That's amazing. Uh, the guy's been a full car crash that he probably shouldn't have walked away from, walked away from and was playing the next week. So, I mean, the guy is very, does persevere over a lot of, over, over a lot of obstacles. So, uh, no, well worthy, uh, well worthy of a win there for Dan Clark. Yeah, and just to throw this, uh, just so again saw on Twitter from friend of the show, Derek Taylor, who's been on our show, says Stanley Bryant's fourth, this is his fourth uh, most outstanding lineman. That's He's the first player to win four. So, you know, got to give him a shout out as well for that. And, of course, the MOP goes to Zach Caleros for back-to-back -back years. And I'm not too shocked about that one. Uh, I, I just wondered if maybe some of the stats for Bethel, Tom, because he was the East one, right? I'm, I'm out uh, of it. Today. It was actually Eugene Lewis. Oh, which surprised me. I picked, I think Adam, you picked Lewis to be your, your East nominee uh, for this award, but I feel like the rest of us went, I think I went Tim White. Trey, you okay. and Mike may have gone Bethel Thompson. I think maybe that's what I'm thinking. There. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Cause I, I guess Zach would get it. It's hard to win against a quarterback in that, in that category. Right. So you have to be really extra exceptional. And I don't think we had many guys, we had a lot of great performances this year. We didn't have that one guy who really went above and beyond in his position, except for maybe Nathan Rourke, but unfortunately only played half the year, right? Adam? Yeah, the, if this was the MVP of the year, I would still be arguing Eugene Lewis over Zach Caleros because I think Zach Caleros was not the most valuable player on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I think Dalton Schoen was because without him, that team could have had some serious troubles early. Uh, if it wasn't for Dalton Schoen getting those touchdowns every uh, game essentially uh but that being said i mean zach Kalaros is is definitely an outstanding player and one of the most outstanding in the league for sure uh why i went with eugene lewis over in the east nominees was because there was a lot of times that he bailed those montreal alouettes out of a lot of tough holes uh 
But again, is he the most outstanding player probably in the league? I don't think so. I think Zach Claros probably is uh, just because of the record and because of what you've seen and the production out of Zach Claros. That being said, it, well done for Zach Claros. I think this is his second in a row, right? Yeah, second in a row for Claros and uh, quite the turnaround after uh, that big injury in Saskatchewan and not knowing what is and really a downward slide for his career, it seemed before that not knowing what was going to all happen to him, gets traded to Toronto, gets traded to Winnipeg, and now, uh, yeah, back-to-back -back, uh, most outstanding player nominees uh, or winners, and potentially three straight Garay Cups. Uh, this is, we're truly living in the Zach Caleros era here. And in this matchup against Eugene Lewis, yeah, no doubt in my mind, it does go to Zach Caleros. I'm with you, Adam. I see argument also for Dalton Schoen should have been the Bombers nominee and the West nominee here, uh, because I think he was more outstanding uh in his field um but Caleros I think is a great choice here as well and a well-deserving winner a most outstanding player this season I think that does it for all of our CFL awards here correct I think we went through them all here yeah. uh there's through one question here real quick from oh, yeah, sure. over in the chat uh he had a good point here was there any CFL all-stars that surprised you uh, there were eight Calgary players and a bunch of others in all of that. Uh, I'll put this one. I, I felt very surprised that uh, Mario Alford, who was a special teams player of the year uh, for most outstanding, didn't get an all-star nomination at all. I was quite surprised about that one myself. Uh, any ones that surprised you guys over there? Uh, to be honest, I don't remember who was on the original fake all-star list and who was on the correct version of one to to weigh in on it right now but uh we definitely did uh talk about it go through kind of the lists uh, a couple of weeks ago when they first came out so uh if you haven't had a chance to listen to that one i recommend going back to our to our reactions in the moment on that one uh any any major one for you uh, uh that's you know popped up since then trey well just yeah looking at the list right now i found it, it's I don't know. I I don't really have a specific name. I'm just surprised you don't have a guy like Willie Jefferson or Big Hill or something like that. Again, because it's again it's that you know 15 and three best team. But again, it's that argument: who would you take off to throw them in there? The guys on there, I think, mostly deserve it. Um. Oh, they released a CFL All Star list. Okay, I have not seen the CFL All Star. No, that, list. Yeah, that's the one I'm looking at. Okay. Yeah, I'm not too surprised about it. There's no names on there that I'm like, eh, you shouldn't be on there. But like, I guess you can make an argument for almost any guy, and most guys in this league could be on it at any, you know, you know, especially the starters. So, yeah, it is what I it mean, is. Yeah, and like, I mean, I could even make an argument probably for Darnell Sankey on the list. I mean, he had a great season as well, had the most tackles in the whole league, not on the list. So, I mean, Larry Dean had a great year, but again, those guys there. Uh, you looked at the record of Saskatchewan. It was, well, we don't want to talk about that anymore. So, yeah, it, I mean, you could go and argue it uh, up and down the whole thing uh, for East and West All-Stars and for CFL All-Stars. You could probably argue a point for almost anybody. But, yeah, it's it's what it is, and I think that they made some pretty good choices in the list. You make the good point, though, how Janarian Grant got the special teams All-Star and but then Alfred was the most outstanding special teams player. Like it, it probably all depends on to who votes for what it's probably, you know, I'm guessing it's different groups that vote for it. Right. Or, 
Or there is also the distinct possibility that, okay, well, we're going to give this one guy the nod, but this guy also had an outstanding season. So we'll, uh, we'll give him the all-star nod if we're not going to give him the divisional award, right? So he still gets something out of it. According to the CFL website, it says 27 all-stars were selected by 47 voters comprising of members of the Football Reporters of Canada and the league's head coaches, as well as submissions through the all-star fan vote. So that's what this was for. So I just hope this is the official list and we're not going to see yeah. a correction come out in a day or two. Yeah. And then, of course, the CFLPA also has their all-stars that they're going to list, I think, tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. So It's also really hard to take a nine-team league and then, you know, five receivers uh, and say these are the five best receivers in the league. Like, there's going to be people shunned with – so. You know, the answer to is there for me for is there anyone you're surprised didn't make the list? Not really, just because there's so few spots available that there's always going to be guys that you're going to think are snubbed. I got a real quick shocker. Alex Manoa should have been the Cy Young, AL Cy winner. We'll throw that in there. That was just announced this week. Baseball? Yeah. Okay. Hey, that's pretty yeah, good. Sorry, yeah, yeah. That, right? yeah, he was one of the three finalists that he lost out to Verlander. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. Verlander will come to Toronto next year. All right, let's get into. Hey, let's move on. Let's move on. We'll talk about something else. I can talk about sports all day. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we might have to quick do some show, uh, some baseball shows in the off season, but let's get into the reason for the season, as they call it. The reason we're all here today is to preview the Grey Cup, the final game of the year, Toronto, Winnipeg, Grey Cup 109 in Saskatchewan. Game takes place Sunday. Uh, it should be a great game. Uh, always a fun uh, experience and game. Uh, let's start off with there's a lot of interesting storylines for this Winnipeg-Toronto matchup or storylines from this week just on players. Player health, I think, is a, a big one potentially as well. Uh, what are the major storylines that intrigue you guys the most when we're, uh, we're watching uh, this game this weekend? Adam, let's start with you. Well, I think one of the major storylines, and I know, yeah, Trey knows what I'm going to go with right away here, is the health of Zach Kalaros. Uh, came in last week, and I know I heard Bomber fans everywhere. Oh, he's fine. He's totally fine. No problem whatsoever. Look at him walk. He's fine. Oh, they let him into the media. No, he's fine. Uh, everybody's saying how great and fine Zach Kalaros is. Look at him walk off the plane. He's fine. And then all of a sudden on Wednesday morning, when the first practice uh, happens for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Zach Caleros isn't practicing. It's Drew Brown's with the ones. Okay. Well, hey, maybe a vet day. Never know. Uh, so all of a sudden they go and they have their close practice today. And the uh, GM, I believe it is, of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Wade Miller, goes and says, oh, uh, yeah, Zach didn't practice today. But he's fine. It's just veteran things. And don't worry about it. It's fine. So, you know what? I've heard this story before. Uh, I'm sure that uh, TSN has been covering feet more so much in this whole offseason that it's almost a fetish for them by now. I mean, to me, it's it's insane. I mean, I, I don't you don't need to sugarcoat it here. Zach Caleros clearly has, a, uh, has some sort of ankle injury. I don't know how bad it is because I'm not a doctor. I'm not the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers doctor, obviously, and that's going to be probably so locked up in Fort Knox that that is not going to get out there how bad his foot injury is until after the Grey Cup. But he's clearly got something up with him. Uh, that's going to be one of the major storylines going into this. 
And I know there's people already saying it. Is Zach Kolaris going to play the Grey Cup? To me, I'd be stunned if he doesn't. Uh, they've got so many good treatments nowadays that they'll freeze his foot, not just in Saskatchewan because of the weather. They'll actually freeze his foot. Uh, and he'll try to play on it. I'm certain of it. But, uh, yeah, it's got to be looked at. I mean, TSN is going to keep covering this this one here, I think, until, uh, well, 5 o'clock until the Grey Cup starts. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, Zach Coleros is going to play. There's no doubt about it in my mind that he's going to play this weekend. And uh, not going to lie, the first time the, uh, the he started limping off the field, I, I did – chuckle at the irony of it a little bit that I was like, hey, it's the Kevin Glenn special of the division finals injury. You know, is he going to play in the Grey Cup against Ryan Dinwiddie nonetheless, uh, which is intriguing, uh, but he's going to play. I also think that um, if he is all of a sudden not good to go early on in the game, I wouldn't see the Bombers having an issue going to Drew Brown or Dakota Prukop potentially if they need to and they feel like he's going to be out there. If the Bombers feel they're going to be able to, you know, get it done, which I think they have a lot of confidence in their backups uh, to do so. But no doubt about it, you're putting Zach Caleros out there. And if Chris Strebler can play the Grey Cup on a broken foot, uh, you know, Zach Caleros can as well. Not going to lie, though, I feel like it has been a little hypocritical, all the talk uh, of, uh, oh, yeah, and you know what? Nathan Rourke is not going to be ready to go for the playoffs because of his ankle injury, but then uh, Caleros injures himself and limps off, and immediately he's fine. Uh, there is some irony in that. Uh, Trey, you were riled up a little by Adam's comments this week. What do you think? Well, things have since changed because Adam's also given me a Grey Cup ticket, so I got to really watch my mouth here. Uh, I don't know if you can untransfer anything on Ticketmaster, but I don't want to try to find that out. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, so, but actually, you know, I, you, took, you took the words from me. I was like, I believe there was another quarterback in blue and gold that had a, I would say, a worse. Uh, Bowen's tough compared to twisting, I guess. I don't know which one's worse, but. You know, and things were done and he played through it. And honestly, I would almost say it's almost worse for Strebler because of what he was going through. Like he wasn't sitting there in the pocket passing. He was running for hard earned yards. So I'm not too worried about it. It gave Drew Brown a couple reps out there. He probably did nothing but practice victory formation. That's the only thing he'll be used for on Sunday anyway. You know, when the Bombers are up by, I don't know, 30 or 40. And then Drew Brown will go in and or Prue Copper. Doesn't even matter. I'll go play a quarterback when we're up by 30, and I don't think I'll blow the lead. But I don't know. It's something fun to talk about. That's it is what it is, you know. And yeah, he's got to play. If he doesn't play, that would be the biggest. Ah. What's the rules with the depth chart? Like that probably comes out tomorrow or Saturday. Like if he's not playing, they can't put him number one unless they put game time decision or something like, I don't know what they could with betting and everything and fantasy and all that stuff. That would be so dirty if they pulled up. Don't, don't trust the depth charts. We've seen yeah. games like this many times. Yeah. So, like so, Jones, hello. Isn't that, I mean, isn't that how Nathan Rourke got a start in the league? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. Actually is, yeah. yeah. So my, my point is I wouldn't even be shocked if you see Drew Brown as number one, but Toronto defense knows that it's going to be Zach Caleros playing. So. Yeah, no, I like I say before, I, I if Zach Alaris isn't playing, count me stunned because there's no way that you miss a great cup game. Although, hey, we've seen weirder things. I mean, remember that warm up uh, a couple years ago when Ottawa Henry Burris was warming up 
ended up doing something to his shoulder or something. And uh, yeah, that was where some interesting times uh, during that great cup. I can't remember. I think it was against uh, ooh, Calgary, was it, I would think. Anyways, uh, another neat storyline that I can tell you about in this one here as well, folks. Uh, I think it's the return of Andrew Harris. Uh, to play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in a Grey Cup. I know a lot of guys have talked about this already. Uh, Andrew Harris, of course, wins two Grey Cups over with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, wins the most outstanding Canadian. I think he won the most outstanding player, I believe, as well. Uh, has just kind of really dominated uh, Grey Cup games uh, as of late for the last two, anyways. And uh, also can seem to dominate somehow in Mosaic Stadium. He likes that stadium. He likes running in that stadium has had some good yardage either against the mostly against the rough riders. Uh, so that's going to be probably one of the bigger storylines coming out of this. And Andrew Harris is back. He's healthy. He's been well rested now. Uh, didn't have a whole lot in his final that he needed to do, but he also has AJ Ouellette right beside him in case he needs a break. Uh, how much does Andrew Harris factor into this, uh, into this one tray? Oh, he'll factor in a lot, but I don't know. I'm torn on this one. I could see it going one of two ways. Either he gets like two touches and barely plays, or he's going to go for like what Chris says, three touchdowns and win MOP of the game again and or something. I don't think there's a middle for him. I think he's going to either dominate. I think this game is going to be dominated by the running game on either side. And you're going to have two Winnipeg boys rumble and tumble and with AJ Olette from Ohio. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it, that's what it's going to be. Was a minus ten ish? It looks like on Sunday it's going to be a little bit of running the. It's going to be a lot of running the ball. Um, I thought I saw minus ten ish at some point. It's supposed to feel like, but I could be wrong. And then uh, throw in Zach Caleros's injury. Bethel Thompson isn't exactly the most straight shooter. It's going to be a lot of running. Andrew Harris should have his opportunity to play the, in the snow once again in Mosaic. So I think it'll be good. Ryan. I'm so excited for this Brady Oliveira Andrew Harris matchup. And, and I'm so pumped we get this in the Great Cup because these are two guys that are going to be running hard the entire game to prove that uh, they're right, so to say. You know, Andrew Harris wants to prove to the Bombers that they should have kept him around. And Brady Oliveira's got to be out here to prove that no, you made the right decision, uh, which I think he has proved very well during the season with his 1,000 yard rushing total. Uh, and the fact that he was healthy all year long. But these are two guys that, you know, have a lot to play for. Obviously, two guys out there trying to win their third straight championship. And maybe maybe it wasn't three straight for Oliveira. I can't remember if he was fully with the club for the first one. Um, but either way, trying to win three straight championships, Harris versus the Bombers. Juicy storyline for me. I'm excited to see which one's going to come out uh, more prominently involved in the rushing game. Think you're right, Trey. That uh, Olet might uh, take some of the the load off of Harris, but could also see them just using him over and over again in that game as well. Uh, other interesting matchups, I think, in, in this week uh, are we've got uh, Brandon Banks versus the Bombers for the third straight year. Two with Hamilton now over in Toronto. This is a guy that great career, long career here. I don't think he has a great cup uh, to his name you know there's been some great players in the league's history that uh you know have never ended up with one i can think of a couple here in winnipeg unfortunately um brandon banks is currently in that category lost in 2014 to calgary now he's lost two straight here comes over to the enemy in the argos and is now has to face the bombers again will he have an impact in this game uh, we talked about andrew harris already 
Probably one of the more absurd storylines is that Jagarit Davis is playing in his sixth straight Grey Cup in six years in the league. He went to three straight with Calgary, where he won one of three, I believe. Then he went to Hamilton, lost the last two there. Then now he's in Toronto trying to win here. So six straight Grey Cup, only one win in the last five for Jagarit Davis. He's got to be hungry here to win one this week, uh, doesn't he, Trey? Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, that rivals, like, what, the Buffalo Bills going, like, four straight times without winning. Like, you know, it definitely you, – you, you, even though it's a nine-team league, we see Hamilton's been, what, 20-some years without winning. Winnipeg went to 29. You can have a long time before your franchise win, uh, wins it. And jumping around teams even makes it harder. you got to feel for the guy. You know, he's always there. It's almost like that bad luck omen. I feel like there was a case like that in the NHL or MLB or something too, where a player had a few in a row where he was on the losing team and you just got it. When when it comes to people like me who bet on the game, yeah, that's one of those speaky little, spooky little omens that you see where you're like, well, maybe Toronto isn't going to win this year, right, Adam? Well, and you look also, Brandon Banks is the same way. I mean, he's been with uh, Hamilton Tiger Rats forever. Uh, lost the one against Calgary. Lost the two against Winnipeg. Uh, just hasn't had no luck when it comes to a Grey Cup game. Uh, that might just add extra fuel to the fire for all we know. I mean, Jaguar Davis obviously would like to probably walk away with a great cup ring. Very well has a possibility of doing that this year. And, you know, Brandon Banks ain't getting much younger. I mean, he's in the same point where, hey, it would be nice to walk away a great cup champion. You never know. Maybe if he does win this one, that might be it. Another cool little uh, thing that I was going to bring up here was uh, lots of major storylines. But one thing that won't be a major storyline will be the weather. Uh, predicting right now minus two in Regina, which is almost too warm for these guys, as most of the uh, shorts weather, shorts weather, man. Exactly, it's shorts weather. So, to me, I mean, Winnipeg fans, I mean, you guys can pretty much just wear a jersey and don't wear anything else, essentially. So, should be great weather for the game. Uh, by the looks of things, 15 to 25 kilometer winds, so no serious winds in Saskatchewan. Uh, overall. Hey, not bad. So uh, other storylines that we wanted to talk about in this one. Uh, I, have real, I have a real quick a real quick one here. Ryan Dinwiddie, first coaching his first great cup against the team that he played uh, one, what, one game for, and it was a great cup, right? You want to talk about the Kevin? At least four. Did he? Did he play more for us after that? I remember that? a thrilling victory over the Calgary Stampeders. After that, season. after that great cup loss, I don't know if I actually watched the year after. I can't be <laughs> honest, you know, because that one was so ter- like terrible. Uh, childhood memory. Brilliant great cup. <laughs> I remember. Yeah. Uh, I don't honestly. Yeah, um, but that's the kind of an interesting thing here. Where, you know, coming to you know. Again, in a nine-team league, there's only so many teams you can play. But, you know, he could have coached anybody, and he coached Toronto, and now he's got a shot at uh, beating the team that he couldn't win for, unfortunately. Yeah, it's kind of ironic that it actually is. Uh, in 07, it was Winnipeg versus Saskatchewan in Toronto. This time, it's Winnipeg and Toronto in Saskatchewan. Uh, and Ryan Dinwiddie's in both of those for some reason. As long as James Johnson doesn't show up for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and intercept them four times, I think we'll probably be okay. Toronto uh, uh, might be okay. Ryan? Uh, Chris in the chat mentions you were talking about a hockey uh, example there. Yeah, Marion Hosa, I think, uh, traded teams a couple times, went three straight uh, Stanley Cup finals. And uh, 
You know, I, I wonder what the uh, the odds makers would put the odds at. If the Bombers beat the Argos, what are the odds that Brandon Banks and Ja'Garrett Davis pull a Corey Perry and come over to uh, to Winnipeg next season? You know, uh, lose two straight Grey Cups with different teams uh, to the same team. You can't beat them, join them. Uh, you really think they'd go four in a row, though? I, you know, even as a Bomber fan, three in a row is well, pretty I, tough. As Adam, I'm sure, would tell me, Tampa Bay did not win three in a row. So, <laughs> no, they did not. Yeah, I um, mean, yeah. I thought, no, that's an interesting point. I would, I would wonder if they would maybe go to a team like BC or maybe Winnipeg or something like that. That's interesting. Yeah. Any other final storylines here before we get into positional matchups, or should we go straight into that? Uh, let's get into the matchups. I think. What do you guys think? Yeah, let's do it. All right, positional matchups here. We did it the past couple of rounds of playoffs. Let's do it here quickly uh, in this one as well. We've talked about a lot of factors. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball here and talk about who we each have uh, with the edge for this. I got to give the offensive nod to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I, I think Toronto has the pieces there to be a high-powered offense. I just don't think they can put it in the end zone effectively. And they've struggled to do that all season long. You know, the rushing game, Andrew Harris boosts that. But Brady Oliver has been pretty consistent uh, from, you know, week, I want to say, five or six onwards. He had some early season struggles. Zach Caleros just won MOP. Dalton Schoen was the league's leading receiver. There's a ton of weapons there for the Bombers uh, as well. I give the edge to Winnipeg on offense here. Uh, Trey? No, I agree. I give it to Winnipeg. My issue is we've seen the Winnipeg's offense stall at times of this year. So I think it's going to come down to the defense, which we'll talk about next. I think the offense is maybe not super important unless Winnipeg or Toronto can go off and, you know, have the performance of the year. But yeah, I'd have to give it to Winnipeg on this one, Adam. Yeah, I've got to go with Winnipeg as well. Uh, the reason being essentially is uh, the receivers to me are fairly evenly matched. The running backs are fairly evenly matched. The quarterbacks, yeah, probably advantage Kalaros, but the offensive line. I think that the offensive line in Winnipeg is more veteran. They've been used to this game. They've played this great cup a few times. Uh, the, uh, the Toronto Argonauts, I mean, they haven't been there yet. And I think an inexperienced offensive line, you never know. That could cause procedure calls if there's a lot of Winnipeg fans in the crowd. Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to go advantage offense to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Next, we take a look at the defense for these two teams. Uh, let's go back to you here, Adam. Who do you give the edge to on defense? I'm going to give my defensive edge to the Toronto Argonauts. Here's my reasoning. They are the number two ranked defense in the uh, league. They have guys like Ryan Phillips. They've got uh, uh, McManus. They've got all sorts of weapons on that team that can either pick off balls. They can go and make that def that defensive line is a lot bigger than what the BC Lions defensive line was. This is one that can push through and possibly make some plays happen and make Zach Kalaros get a little more uncomfortable and out of that pocket where he don't like to be out of that pocket. So to me, I think that the Toronto Argonauts are the bigger defense. They aren't maybe the most flashiest or the ones rated the highest or looked at as the flashiest. But no, to me, Toronto's the better defense. So I'm going to go with the Argonauts. Yeah, I'll, honestly, just to save time, just say whatever Adam said. I'll go with Toronto, Ryan. I would... I think I'm going Toronto as well. Interestingly, both of these teams, bottom three in the league in sacks or 
close to that this season. You know, uh, Edmonton had the least at 35, Winnipeg had 36, Toronto and Montreal both had 37. So not a whole lot of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, Toronto did have 29 interceptions this year, which is ridiculous because the next highest was 19. Uh, so they, they made a lot of big plays there. I've been touting their defense all season long. I've had question marks on the Bombers' side. Then I also think about how the Bombers have so many big-name pieces that have just maybe underperformed a little bit all season, and they come to play when the games matter the most, it seems, right? So I think this one's closer to a tie than I originally thought, but i got to give it to the the Argos here, the nod on defense as well. Um, let's go special teams here. Uh, on one side, we've got Mark Leggio doing the kicking. On the other side, we've got Boris Beatty. Uh, in the punt return, kick return section, Janarian Grant and whoever the returner of the day for the Argos is. A uh, number of guys have rotated through uh, this season. I think it, Jeremiah Hadel was the last one. Uh, double check last week's depth chart here quickly. But uh, uh, Javon Leak, sorry, is the current return man, it seems, for the Argos. Uh, Trey, let's go to you first here on uh, special teams. I think I know where you're potentially going, but who do you give the edge to? Uh, returns, I'll go with Winnipeg, but kicking after legs again, I'll go with Toronto, man. Like, so I think, yeah, that's what I'll just stick with that. It, it's, it's pretty self explanatory. Generian Grant, he's with the field conditions, he's always one little move away from getting to the house. And then I, I can't with a good conscience, give Legio any advantage right now. I know. I think they, I heard that they got the other punter in um, at practice for the blue bombers, but I don't think punting was Legio's problem. So we'll see uh, Adam. I'm exactly the same way as you are Trey. Uh, I look at this one here and I say the Janarian grant would have been the uh, West nominee for special teams. If it wasn't for a guy named Mario Alfred over in Saskatchewan, essentially uh, he is a very good punt, punt and kickoff returner. I uh, uh, field goal returner as well when it comes to that point. And so to me, it's advantage Winnipeg in the return game. And let's face it, that's a critical spot because if they get good field position to start it off, that's a big advantage for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, kicking, though, you're right. I mean, Boris Beattie, to me, seems like the more reliable kicker at this point. Uh, Mark Leggio, I don't know what it is with him. I mean, he's still a good kicker, and he still had a good year. But it just seems like one game, he just kind of takes it off and takes it easy. Last week, unfortunately, it was against the BC Lions. Uh, had a few missed converts, which you can't miss converts in a Grey Cup. Uh, so... If he gets a little better here, to me, I think uh, Winnipeg can maybe even this up a little bit more. But right now, yeah, it's Boris Beatty uh, for me with the Argonauts. So I guess a statistical tie, right? I give the edge to Winnipeg here. Uh, as much as we talk about being nervous about Mark Uleggio making a kick, the kicker with the lowest kicking percentage in the CFL this season is Boris Beatty at 78%. Mark Uleggio has a better completion rate than Boris Beatty. Uh, he's at 82%. It's not much of a difference. He's also attempted a lot less kicks and he's missed more converts. So I don't think there's that really a winner either way. Both of these kickers are, you know, not the sharpest at this point, I, I think, in the season. Uh, but I, I do uh, think the return game of Janarian Grant uh, gives a big edge towards the Bombers here on the special team side. Uh, we may have kind of already talked about this one. The other uh, facet of this is the coaching side. And, well, they went head-to-head -to -head tonight in the awards show. Ryan Dinwiddie 
uh, for the Argos and uh, Mike O'Shea for the Bombers. Now, taking into account the not just these guys, but the entire coaching staff, you know, the coaching schemes of the teams, who do you guys give the edge to in the coaching category? Adam? When you look at absolutely everything, I mean, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers still, to me, get it. I mean, Buck Pierce has called a great game this year in the offensive side of the football. Uh, seems to make sure that there's some good creative plays to get out to Zach Kalaros and really can use all of his weapons, including Nick Dembski, who will have to be a big part of this one again, uh, going either out of the backfield or going around, doing jet sweeps, doing all sorts of weird things that only Nick Dembski seems to be able to do. So to me, that's an advantage for the offensive side of the football and the defensive side of the football. Both were pretty decent this year. However, Richie Hall has that annoying, boring, let him run the ball down the field quite a ways, and then eventually, you know what, we'll stop him. Uh, but you know what, for some reason it works for Winnipeg. Uh, the three losses kind of prove that. So you know what, I'm not too worried about the Winnipeg's defense uh, uh, coaching scheme. I think they'll be okay. And again, nobody can get a team ready more, I think, than Mike O'Shea. Mike O'Shea is always preparing. His Even when he was doing the award ceremony tonight, he went and he said, hey, thanks to my guys that are still working in the back right now, getting things ready to go while I go and accept award for a few minutes. I mean, the guy never quits. So to me, I think it's advantage coaching uh, for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Trey? Yeah, I agree. And, you know, this actually just was Googling some stuff here. Uh, so found an interesting tidbit. This is O'Shea's third straight Grey Cup, and he's only played Grey Cups against his teams he's played for, uh, against the teams he's played for, Hamilton and now Toronto. So that's another interesting one you could throw in there. Um, yeah, I got to give it to O'Shea. Uh, you know, just experience uh, head coaching in, in the league. And, geez, just look at his, like, career highlights and awards. Six Grey Cups in total, most outstanding rookie, most outstanding Canadian, two-time CFL Coach of the Year, all-time to Argos team, you know, and that's playing and coaching, but still, you got to give it to that guy over Ryan Dinwiddie, who done pretty good things here. He has won a great cup uh, back as quarterback coach of the Calgary Stampeders, but not yet as the head coach. So, you know, when you got the big headset on, I want, you know, he's the one holding the big clipboard this time. He's not just some quarterback's coach. It's, uh, it's the real deal, Ryan. Yeah, I think when we were chatting about this matchup uh, a bit earlier in the week, I branded Grey Cup 109 officially as the slop bowl because these are the two two of the sloppiest first-place divisional football teams I have ever seen. Uh, two teams that got enough wins to finish first in the standings and had great seasons, but had many games where they didn't look like a top-tier team necessarily, but still found a way to pull it out. And I think that's what the Grey Cup is probably going to come down to here. So then you start looking at the coaching in the sense of which coach is more equipped to, uh, you know, help settle his team down when those early game turnovers and blunders happen. I think it's Mike O'Shea. We saw examples of that, I think, in the division finals uh, where, you know, Mark Leggio did miss an early kick in that game. Yeah, they trotted him out for a long, like, 40-something yard field goal, which he hasn't attempted that many of all season. Still a little bit later when maybe there was talk of they should have done something else there. So uh, nobody rallies his troops better than O'Shea and crew does. Uh, I got I got to give the nod in the coaching facet to them there as well. Um, I guess the final thing we didn't really talk about with the offensive matchups, before we move on to fantasy here, is the health of Zach Kolaros. Let's say he's not 100%. Let's say he all of a sudden doesn't play. 
How does that change things? How big does that impact this matchup for you guys? Because I think we all went Winnipeg's direction on offense, right? Um, would we trend things back in Toronto's direction a lot more, uh, obviously, if, if the MOP isn't there? Uh, I think I would. I mean, Drew Brown performed well, but it's a backup quarterback with barely any experience. I thought Bethel Thompson was the league's leading passer. I like that a little bit more. Uh, what do you guys think, uh, Trey? No, it could be Dakota Prukop or it could be Drew Brown. I'm taking the Bombers minus five on Sunday. I'll tell you that right now, Adam. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I just I can't. I just can't. I it doesn't matter. Like uh freaking Buzz and Boomer can go play out there. I'm taking the Blue Bombers minus five or whatever it is on Sunday. It's that simple. Well, I think for me, if uh if Zach Kalorus isn't playing this game and he doesn't start this game, let's say uh if he's not playing at all. To me, uh, yeah, I, I've got to go with the guy that knows his quarterbacks, has played with his court or with it, sorry, with played it with his running backs all season, has played with his wide receivers all season, and that means that I'd have to switch hats and go back to the Argonauts. So I knew he had the hat on hand there oh, somewhere. Um, one game, by the way, between these two teams this year, back on July 4th, a 23-22 win by the Bombers, uh, in which they started out strong. Toronto came back, gave them fits in the second half, and then I think maybe missed a field goal or a convert at the end, and the Bombers won by one point. So uh, we got a good matchup earlier this year. We'll see if we get a good matchup this Sunday. I hope it's a fantastic game, a real close game between these teams. If we can get the drama we got last year of that overtime game of Winnipeg-Hamilton all over again, Maybe with a little less wind factoring in, that would be nice. Uh, but certainly looking forward to seeing what these positional matchups bring this week. And this ties into a little bit of the CFL fantasy of it all. Uh, yes, the final week of the year to make our fantasy picks here. And only two teams to choose from. So this will go a lot quicker, uh, I think, here as well. Uh, so let's start with the quarterback. Overall, $30,000 is what you get to make your roster. One quarterback, a running back a wide receiver, a flex, and a defense. Quarterback, your starters, Zach Kalaros is $9,500. McLeod Bethel-Thompson is 9100 I imagine Trey is considering potentially going with uh, Dakota Prukop or Drew Brown at $7,329 or $5,895. What do you guys uh, think of this quarterback matchup in terms of fantasy play? Uh, let's go to you first, Adam. Well, I'm going to put it this way. If uh, It depends exactly what we just finished talking about. Zach Kalaros is playing this week and is looking extremely healthy and looking positive going into that warm-up. I might switch my pick, but right at the moment, it's McLeod Bethel-Thompson because he's healthy, he's ready to go. Uh, he's got no issues on him except for how the CFL does their business because apparently he decided to take a shot at Randy Ambrose today, uh, the other day. Uh, on uh, on a uh, thing, so I uh, on the uh, what do you call when he did an interview there. So uh, yeah, that'll be interesting, but uh, that doesn't affect him in the play. So yeah, I'm gonna go probably MVP MBT. What did he say? Something about that uh, the league needs to work uh, do some things better, and that start it starts from the top. top. He said or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he, he clearly was a shot in the bros. Yeah. Are you sure he wasn't um, just talking about his own franchise? Well, <laughs> yeah, Tannenbaum needs the same shot, but I'm guessing the guy that wrote his check isn't getting a shot. 
Uh, Trey, quarterback, who are you taking this week? You, 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 you spoiled it. I was going to take Dakota Prukrop, regardless of who starts, because this is the game where those third and inches turn into third and one and twos. These are the games why you practice those weird little play action, 40-yard bombs once in a while. This is the game where that special yard, like you're going to need that guy who's way down on your depth chart to come up big. He's going to get some short yardage touchdowns. I th- he's been He's been good for me last few weeks. I said it, and uh, no Mike Miller this week. I'll tell you that right now. But uh, yeah, Dakota Prukop, the special teams guy, and it saves me money uh, elsewhere. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go at quarterback this week. I went with McLeod Bethel Thompson. Uh, if I could fit him in and I knew he was 100% healthy, I'd probably go Zach Caleros. I think his touchdown uh, potential is greater, but I think Bethel Thompson's health is better and his passing yardage total is higher. So it's a weird offset there. Um, don't feel too strong. Can I add one way. thing too? Sorry, I just thought of one thing to go with Prukop. If Caleros's ankle is banged up, Maybe that Prukop uh, package kind of expands a little bit too, right? On those, because he stays in on those second and shorts and second and mediums and first downs after the pickups, right? So, just wanted to throw that in out there too. Yeah, no, that's uh, a very valid point. Uh, and if you can use that saved money to beef up your roster elsewhere when there's the picks are few and far, far and few between this week, right? It was real tough to find a, a good roster that fits under the price um, at this point with only two teams left. Uh, running back, we've got Brady Oliveira at $8,000. We've got AJ Olette at $5,500. Andrew Harris, 6414 Those are probably the three main guys you're looking at. I know Johnny Augustine maybe gets some touches. Greg McRae, uh, probably not in the lineup at this point. Uh, with the receivers that came back, Javon Leak, 2500 does return kicks for the Argos. Maybe that's a play there. Uh, but in my running back position, you know what, to spoil my flex pick, I have two running backs on my roster this week. Like I said earlier, I think it is a huge, going to be a battle of the Winnipeg board running backs. So I put Brady Oliveira and Andrew Harris in my roster this week. I like Oliveira better. I think he's going to have a bigger game. I think he's going to get more of the usage and I think he's going to be fired up and ready to go just like he was in the West final. Uh, but I also, I think, you know, looking at the money I had left spent and the other options available, I also could see Andrew Harris doing the same thing. So I'd, I'd lean Oliveira a little bit, uh, cause more guaranteed usage, but also really like Andrew Harris this week. Uh, what about you, Trey? I went with the Oak Park High School alum. Andrew Harris, uh, you know, had to go with that guy. I think he'll be fired up. Uh, yeah, I... <laughs> It's hard to go against him here. Like you said, great. He plays great in the stadium. He's fired up against his old team. Fantasy points is weird. He could still split usage, but be, I think when you get down to the red zone, he's going to be the guy you lean to, and that's where you pick up them fantasy points. Adam? Yeah, I think that Andrew Harris is going to have a game if uh, any of the running backs do. To me, I've been look, looking at this weather here, Ryan, and when you got a minus two game, I don't know how much they're going to, ch- they're going to start trying to chuck the football a bit instead of just running it down teams throats. Uh, when you got two big defensive teams that are pretty good at blocking up runs uh, on both sides of the football, I think that they might start hucking it, especially when the weather's going to be nice. If the weather's poor, yeah, you should have two running backs. I agree. Uh, but I'm going to go with Andrew Harris on this one. And yeah, my flex isn't a running back. 
you know, as we were talking about the return games for these teams before, like Javon Leak at $2,500 is actually pretty intriguing to me. Like you need six points for full va- fantasy value in regular season totals. My, my models skew weird for the playoffs because there's less salary, less players, and probably not hitting 100 points unless you have a fan, real fantastic week. Um, but, you know, if Javon Leak can put up a couple of points, then, yeah, you might not hit full value there, but then you have enough money to spend big elsewhere. I don't actually hate that in a week where there really aren't very many value plays to go around. Uh, looking at wide receiver again, slim pickings here, but, uh, your, your most expensive wide receiver, no surprise here is Dalton shown at $10,000. Uh, there's a lot of different options available. Who are you guys going with at wide receiver this week? Let's start with you, Adam. Yeah, no, I'm looking at, uh, two guys that actually were pretty good value plays. I think from last week and from just over the season, first one that I was looking at, is Brandon Banks. If 5,000 bucks, he's a fairly reasonable receiver. They gave him five targets last week. I still say three or four of those probably were good. Uh, but again, he only was two for five. Uh, I think this week he's going to be maybe staying a little bit close, uh, a little bit further away from the white line. And uh, I could see McLeod Bethel Thompson relying on the veteran. So to me, that's not a bad pick. The other one that I'm looking at is Rashid Bailey. Uh, has been very good for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers all year. I think that, he again, he's been uh, used when he needs to be, and he's going to get one of those big catches when the Blue Bombers need it most. So to me, I think I'm going to go with Bailey and uh, Banks right at the moment. Trey? Well, no shocker, my receiver spot. I'm going to go with Dalton Schoen. I saved the money for that. Shocker, yeah. Ah, shocker. And my flex... I'm going on a hunch with Janarian Grant. We're talking about receiving yards and all that, and that counts. So I don't know. He I, didn't he get a touchdown last year's Great Cup? I thought I remember seeing highlights of him getting one in the snow, but I can't remember if that was last year, 2019. I think that might have been 2019. Yeah, but still, still, you know, that's it's it. If someone's gonna do it, I would not be too shocked. It would be him. So that's my ch- uh, showing in Grant. Yeah, I, if I am going double high-priced running backs, I don't have a lot of money left at wide receiver this week. Again, you know, as we talk through these options, thinking maybe rework it. Do I want to go the double running back or do I want to go that Javon Leak route and then spend for a guy like Dalton Schoen at wide receivers? Kind of, you know, tempting me. I like taking the chance on that. Uh, but as of my roster right now, the guy I have in, I don't think I've put him in once all season, is $3,000 Drew Wallatarski, a guy who... Proves to be a serviceable receiver. Doesn't put up huge fantasy totals normally, but he seems to come up with some real clutch catches for the Bombers. And if you're needing a clutch catch in the Grey Cup game, a guy like Drew Wallatarski might be able to make one or two there. He's 3,000. Don't need a ton of points to hit value for him there. So, uh, you know, there's no real clutch $2,500 play at at wide receivers this week, Uh, but I kind of like him. Also liked what you guys said about Janarian Grant, Brandon Banks. Uh, you look at the middle price. Yeah, Rashid Bailey's fifty five hundred. Greg Ellingson's an intriguing one to take a boomer bust value pick on because he had zero catches last week against BC in the West Final, which was shocking to me, uh, knowing the volume Greg Ellingson is capable of. But so many mouths to feed, it's hard uh, to rely on that. Um, yeah, Dalton Schoen, Nick Dembski, Curly Gittins Jr., they're top-priced receivers for a reason. I think any of them could be big for your fantasy lineups if you put them in. 
I really like what you're saying about Rashid Bailey at 5,500. He has been one of the hottest receivers down the stretch of the season. Uh, he was quiet last week. He was also dealing with a bit of an injury. It was a game-time decision last week. Uh, he could come up clutch in the Grey Cup like he did back in Calgary in 2019. I believe he had a big game in that one as well. Uh, let's take a look at defenses here. Both of them 3,200, so there's no price difference. So this is simply... Uh, what you guys think is going to be the better scoring defense in this game. I've got the Argos uh, for myself. I think Winnipeg hasn't put up the fantasy points on defense all year. Toronto's puts up some big games of, you know, close to 20 points at times. They lead the league in interceptions by a wide margin. And if, uh, you know, Zach Claros isn't 100%, he's the best quarterback at throwing while he's scrambling, but maybe he's not scrambling as well if his... Uh, his ankle isn't quite 100% there. So I will take my chance on the Argos defense that led me to a couple victories this season. Uh, Trey, where are you going on defense? History says that the game's going to end in a triple-tipped interception by Winnipeg. So I, I think the game's going to be pretty even, but there's going to be one or maybe one or two uh, turnovers that turn the tide, and Winnipeg's proven in these games they get those. Adam? Yeah, however, in 2022, the Argos do have the most interceptions and turnovers. They've got Winton McManus there, who looks uh, to be healthy, I believe. Uh, again, Jamal Behears is there as well. Uh, just some big guys for the Toronto Argonauts. And to me, it's going to be another interception or two. And interceptions are worth everything when you're picking defenses, essentially. So I'm going to go with the Argonauts. I like what Richard said in the chat about Brandon Banks. Uh, I like this prediction here. Banks makes up for the return touchdown that got called back a couple of years ago against Calgary. What what an arc that would be for him to finally get his Grey Cup win if uh, if he can get in for a return and, and bring that back. Uh, I would love to see that there. Uh, that does it for our fantasy picks this week. Again, we do have a public uh, fantasy league over on the CFL fantasy site. I know a couple people in the chat were talking about that earlier. If you want to get in for the final week of the season, just search the Canadian football countdown and go up against us all there. Uh, but now for the final time this year, we got to make our picks and make our bets uh, in our betting segment here, powered by Betstamp, uh, which is a free app that helps you find the best value for your online sports betting wagers by providing you comparisons of odds across a variety of different sports books, including the Betstamp recommended best odds, which we use for our CFL picks every single week. You can learn more at betstamp.app and sign up with referral code CFC. Uh, Trey, over to you for the betting segment. Let me pull up the odds. For do we want to do the picks first or we want to do some props first? What are you guys feeling? Uh, let's do the picks first and then get pick into the first. Picks. Well, picks first. Okay, we'll do it with the picks. Winnipeg minus five and a half available on Cool Bet and plus six is what you can get on Bet99 for the Toronto Argonauts. Um, I have to take Winnipeg plus, minus four and a half. Uh, I was debating because you can change odds and get different odds on some sites too. I was debating to see what the biggest one available was just for fun and put a couple bucks down on that. Got to go blue. I don't care how much of a homer I look like. It's it's the one week. I grew up 20 minutes away from Saskatchewan. I got picked on a lot as a kid for being a Bomber fan. I got to soak it up when I can. Adam? Well, seeing is pretty much I'm wearing a green jersey and a blue hat. 
I think we got to do some convincing eventually for Ryan to try to get him over on our side so that he can lead the uh, Toronto Argonauts parade that's going to be happening in Saskatchewan after this one. Uh, because you know the Ryder fans will celebrate the demise of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, essentially. Uh, you know what? I don't like that Winnipeg gets the three-point advantage for home field, even though it's in Mosaic Stadium. I don't like that Winnipeg thinks that they're just going to walk in and take this game. And guess what, guys? I'm 4-0 in my picks. I think I'm taking the Toronto Argonauts. You know what? Plus six, it seems like quite a little bit of a stretch there. I don't see the bar. I see this happening by a field goal or less. Uh, to me, yeah, I'm going to go with the Toronto Argonauts. And um, afterwards, we'll go and see if I think about doing them outright. Okay, so here's where we're at. So Trey's taking the Bombers, Adam's taking the Argos, and somehow I'm left in the position of breaking the tie here, which is intriguing because I'm pretty sure preseason I picked the Argos to win the Grey Cup in 2022. I at least picked them to represent the East. Before the playoffs, I picked this matchup and I picked Toronto beating Winnipeg. But then part of me also leans towards Winnipeg. It's really hard to pick against them in the big game after the last couple seasons ago. So I'm torn here in the middle. I need an argument, I think, from both of you. Or maybe I just need to flip the coin like I've done on Argos games this year. Uh, but I think I need a bit of persuasion from either of you here of why. Convince me to go one way or the other. Uh, Adam, you're the road team here uh, as the Argos, so to say. So tell me why I should take Toronto here. Well, here's my argument on this. I mean, yes, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have won the Grey Cup twice in a row. They won them on the back of Andrew Harris, who, by the way, is now on the Toronto Argonauts. Uh, that should be a part of it. McLeod Bethel-Thompson is the best, uh, has the most yards for the quarterbacks this season. He's got a good plethora of weapons with him that are looking to, uh, one, looking to get his first Grey Cup ring in a very, very, very long try and for a bunch of attempts. To me, Brandon Banks, I believe, is a guy that's going to want to get off that, that monkey off his back and finally win a Grey Cup. You've got most of this crowd is going to be in green and dark blue cheering against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers unless the Bombers can really buy some tickets. And uh, let's face it, most Saskatchewan fans have them up for sale right now. So to me, I think that the Argonauts, and I believe they are the better defense, in all honesty. They, they've they played stronger all season. They've gotten more interceptions. Zach Kalaros also isn't healthy, which should be a big factor into this one. Uh, I don't care if, they, if the Winnipeg fans are saying, yeah, he's healthy. Don't worry about him. He's healthy. By the way, look that way. He's not, oh, oh no, he's not walking right. Look that way. He's fine. He's healthy. So to me, it's the Argonauts. Uh, I think that they can come in this one. They can win this game. The only game these two teams have played all season, it was 23-22. It was a toss-up. Uh, so to me, a plus six is pretty much an automatic win for you if you take the Argos. Uh, for outright, I still think the Argos are going to win this one because I just believe that it's their time. I believe the Winnipeg, especially if they're, co if they're uh, uh, what do you call them, quarterback is injured any amount i like drew brown as a future quarterback in the cfl i don't like him for a great cup game to pull off the uh ryan dinwiddie because we've seen how that happens before usually ends up with a bunch of interceptions and with the uh well this in this case hopefully the argos winning trade 
Argue about why the Bombers should win this one. I'm pretty sure the Blue Bombers are almost undefeated at Mosaic Stadium in the playoffs. Uh, so, you know, this is a playoff game. So that's one. Um, the Bombers are also undefeated in playoff during the last few years of games I've attended at Mosaic Stadium. So there's two. And Ryan, where are you from? When you open up your driver's license, what province does it say? You don't have to show it on the camera, but come on. Come on. Like, Mike, Mike picked the Argos. And if you pick the Argos too, then like, oh, I don't know, man. I have, I, no, I have no allegiance to my favorite football team when it comes to things like this. You guys should know that by now. I didn't have a single bomber on my fantasy team the entire season That's long. That's different. That's different. You've been alive for almost the whole 29-year drought. And is it would it not be so, so sweet to say to your, hey, you're having a kid next year. Oh, the Bombers won the year, you know, the, just before you were born. Remember that because my kids don't even believe the Bombers can lose because of how much they've seen them win over the last few years. Don't you want your kid to have that, Ryan? So, Ryan, essentially what he's saying here is that he's telling you to go with your heart and you're a logical man. You like logic and you like logistics. You got to go with the logic here. Guys, this is tough. This is some good arguments here. But Trey, you're right. I, I do want the Winnipeg Blue Bombers to win. I am a Bombers fan. As much as, you know, I would argue amongst all of us Bomber fans on the podcast, I'm probably the most neutral Bombers fan. You know, I, I've been critical uh, of them uh, all season long. And I've picked against them in a lot of cases like this as well. But it's a difference of between what I want and what I actually think is going to happen is what I'm going to base my betting pick on. And I think I'm picking the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. I <laughs> got you there. Uh, yeah, I, I think I got to switch uh, just based on how these teams have played the last couple of weeks. You know, the Winnipeg, they got through that game against BC. Uh, they really shut Nathan Rourke down early in that game, gave him nothing to go off of. And again, I think this comes down to uh, the which team is less sloppy and uh, makes the, I guess, which team makes the last mistake is going to lose. And I think the Bombers are a team that is better equipped to come back from those mistakes they've made. That's It's now two straight division finals where they've just played they've turned over the ball in the end zone unnecessarily and they found a way to go on and win those games the spread is interesting at plus six because if the argos win this game i think it's going to be by a couple of points but i think if winnipeg's going to go out and win this game we're going to see something like what we saw in 2019 just full on start to finish full throttle win here by by the bombers potentially I think I'm going to take Winnipeg at minus five and a half. I think they win by at least a touchdown in this one. And, and I'm taking the Bombers to uh, to do the three-peat. As, as much as I love what I've seen this year from the Argos, both teams have had inconsistency. I think Bombers can uh, overcome that a little bit better. I love it. I love it. But just re recap on the year. Uh, myself is 51 and 33. Ryan is 46 and 38. And Adam's 43 and 41. But Adam is 4 and 0 in the playoffs, while Ryan and I are two, only 2 and 2 in the playoffs. So it's interesting here because, again, we got this split. We got the guy who's on the hot streak in the playoffs going against the guys who did a little better all year. Could be an interesting yeah, that, one. That made it that made it real difficult for me because normally agreeing with Adam against Trey ends up not going in my favor, but he's the hot hand. So you know it's gonna be lonely at five and oh, but I guess I could accept it. 
Well, we just want to give you some sort of victory in the playoffs this year while we enjoy the other one, right? So, Hey, like I said, playoff Adam comes to play. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Hey, full, full credit to you. So those are our picks against the spread. Last week we did uh, money line picks and the over and under as well. So should we do those here? I mean, Trey and I obviously are taking the Bombers on the money line because uh, we took them to, to cover the spread here. Uh, but Adam, uh, you know, are you taking the Argos uh, best odd payout from Coolbet 2.95 uh, or the Bombers? Tony Bet has it at 1.42. So the Bombers clearly favorites here. Are you, who are you taking overall to win this game? I still take the Toronto Argonauts. Do you know what? To me, the Argonauts are still the better team, I believe. Uh, to me, if they come out and they cause interceptions or they cause some trouble, and again, it all depends on the foot of Zach Kalaros. If Zach Kalaros is healthy, maybe I might want to switch this half an hour before the game. I've done that before. But, uh, yeah, I would probably think right now I'm going to go with the Argonauts. Sure. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not surprised. I get it. Because, again, if Saskatchewan was playing an IG field in the Grey Cup, I would. it would be really hard for me to cheer for them. So I do understand. But over under, yeah, this was an interesting one. What do you have currently on your slide, uh, Ryan? Or do you have a slide for it? Yeah, it's uh, it's here on the slide as well. Oh, uh, I, yeah, I'm blind. Is it okay? There it is, four and a half, or seven, forty-seven and a half. I mean, sorry, um, four and a half. I sorry. took you. Over. Sorry, I was looking <laughs> at a prop bet. I've got a prop bet that's four and a half that I was looking at earlier, and that was in my head. Uh, take the forty-seven and a half here. I will go. Oh, quick mass here. What's that? It's like 24-23 if the game's close. Ooh. You said minus two, Adam? On Sunday? Or yeah, the weather? Minus two for the weather. I'll go over. I'll go over. I'll go over. It's a it's a if the weather changes, I'll probably I could change that, but at minus two, I'll go over. Uh Ryan. I think I might go under. Uh, and the under the best odds for under is uh, under 48 points by Coolbet, so pretty similar line uh, on either side here. Um, I'm thinking if Coleros isn't fully healthy, that impacts the overall uh, point total here. I'm thinking a real good defense for the Argos and a, a big, you know, big name defense that comes playing big games for the Bombers. Thinking an Argos offense that doesn't uh, put a ton of t- balls in the end zone necessarily. I think we could be under 48 points here. I'll take my chance on that one. Adam? No, I'm going to go on the under as well because, and usually traditionally, uh, teams that don't uh, play each other a lot try to feel each other out for almost a half uh, before they start getting it going. So this team, both of these teams have only played each other once. It's going to be a mild day, which usually means over. But on this case here, just the way that I think it's going to go. And again, Zach Kalaris' health, pretty much it's been like a broken record. I've been saying that. Uh, to me, if he's not healthy, it could go under. So I'm going to go on the under. All righty. Do you want to do some prop bets? I got some nifty ones here, I think. Uh, we'll start. So I'll start the one that got me four and a half total touchdowns over under four and a half. Both teams. Ah, I'll go on. Oh, I just said over 50 points, though, almost. I guess I'd have to go over to keep up, keep aligned with my other one. So I'll go, I'll go over with that one. Four and a half touchdowns. Hmm. I can see. Ooh, so basically, so basically five touchdowns hit the over on this one. 
but then that's already 28 points out of your or 35 points out of your 40 something right so yeah that's a close line for me i i think I think I would go the over on this, though. I think there are going to be some touchdowns to go around. I still think it fits under the 48 points, but I think it's going to be close enough in there where I see, you know, maybe Winnipeg coming three three touchdowns to two here in this type of game. And this one here, it's going to be awful close to that. Again, it means that each team gets two touchdowns and somebody scores the third to make it 21-14. Nah, I think I'll go the over on that one uh, just because I think that there's going to be probably a good chance that uh, one team is going to get at least three and I think one team will end up with two eventually. So I just don't know. Like I said, I know I'm going to go on the over on this one. Richard over in the chat has one as well. Uh, prop vet for fight breaking out on the Toronto sidelines. Uh, no, I'm going to go with a no on that one. Uh, because uh, Mike Pinball Clemens has been riding around and pretty much on the bench the whole time with the teams all are with his team all week, so I'm going to go with the no on that bet. Uh, I was going to change. I was going to change the line here to or the the bet a little bit to fight breaking out in the stands with the Argos after the game, but the, then I'd have to go the under on that because there's a new fan code of conduct. Remember, we all signed it all in the CBA preseason, so we're not allowed to do that anymore. Absolutely. Otherwise, it's punishable by death. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go with the yes on the fight if the game gets out of hand. You know, I I don't know if pinball if this gets nasty early. We know what uh, Bethel Thompson said. Maybe he's is talking about the Toronto organization a little bit more than the CFL, and he might not care who's on the sideline. And there could be a quarterback carousel in the CFL this year. So I'll go. I'll go yes, just because the odds would be astronomical on yes. So five dollars will probably pay for uh, Adam a new tractor. So you know. I think I'll go with that. But uh and the, yeah, and the, the next other part one. also in that, don't forget, is Brandon Banks usually has an attitude. So that's true. <laughs> that didn't he literally have, he's literally had to delete Twitter two years in a row because of fans. So I mean, I'm sure he'll have something to say. Uh the next one, quick sacks over under three and a half again, both teams. I'll go okay. I'll go. Oh, Adam, you want to go first? Oh, you, you go, go ahead first. if you want. I, I was gonna go. I'm gonna go over again because I think this could be a defensive battle. And we don't know Caleros' ankle. He might have to sit there and just roll over a couple times instead of dancing out of trouble. So I'll go over. Adam? I'm going to go on the over on this one too because I think Toronto's a pretty strong team to maybe get some pressure on an injured quarterback. So if that's the case, then yeah, I could see this one going over pretty quickly. Uh, Also, Richard in the chat, yes, Daddy does need a new tractor. Uh, What was the line on this, sorry? Uh, Three and a half. Three and a half. See, if you look at their totals on the year, 36 and 37 sacks, that averages out to only two a game for each side. So that's right there. But even if they both hit their average, then that's four sacks on the year, which is in the over. So, uh, yeah, the number is pretty low on this one, That uh, especially with the injury potentially uh, and some big play potential from the defenses. I'll take the over on this. Ooh, we're agreeing on prop bets. This is weird. It's making me scared that you guys are going along with me. Uh, next, this one's interesting. Before the game even starts, coin toss. Heads or tails? This is on cool bet. I'm going to go tails never fails. Um, Ryan, what are you, are you going to get your coin? Yeah, I got the coin ready, so Adam, you go first. 
Well, if I go to the fan state of the league, they're going to give me one of those coins from the coin toss. So if I get there in time tomorrow, maybe I can actually go get one of those, which would be kind of cool. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have a coin here to flip. So uh, yeah, I'll go heads. Why not? All right. Let's see what I'm doing. Uh, I'm going tails. Yeah, so just to clarify, because Richard asked, it says opening coin toss outcome. So to me, that's whatever it lands. Yeah, yeah it's not what's yeah. called. Yeah, just to verify, because I was confused too when I was reading it, and I couldn't if remember. If it lands on its side, or that absurd one, Ooh. wasn't there a game earlier this year or last year where like the coin rolled all the way down the tunnel or something yeah. like that? Does that does that cancel the bet? I don't know. That's right. I totally. I was totally reading. Adam, what did you take? Uh, I took heads. Heads and at Ryan, what did you take? I totally missed the, that. The coin flip told me that the coin flip is going to be tails. Okay, so we finally dif uh, differentiated on one, but tails never fails, so we'll go with that. Uh, next, uh, we've had it before. Overtime, yes, at plus 1,100. So I believe that's um, a $10 bet gets you $110 plus your $10 back. Uh, no. Minus minus three thousand three hundred and thirty three. So I believe you get like a ten dollar bet pays you like seven dollars maybe or something like that. So uh, I'm gonna. This is one of those ones when the odds get crazy. You just put ten dollars down on the biggest long shot, and if it comes in, I just got I just got supper money, right? So I'm gonna go yes to overtime. This one is one where I just wouldn't make the bet, to be honest. I think there's no point in making the uh, the bet on no overtime, and uh, it's probably not going to happen on the yes, so I probably won't do it. But yeah, for ones like that, I agree. It can be fun to put a dollar or something like that into it, but don't go bet big money because you're probably not going to get the result out of it. Uh, very likely won't. Uh, but if I had to pick, if overtime's going to happen, I'm going to say no. It's pretty rare, although we have had it two times in the last number of years. In the last, what, four or five years? Yeah, no, I'm going to go no as well. Uh, to me, I think this is going to end up as a scorigami. Just to blow the Americans' minds, it's going to be a one nothing game. I'm kidding. No, it won't. Don't ever bet on the one nothing game. Uh, it's going to be a no overtime, though. I can't see it making that far. All right, we got a couple more. These are I love some of these. Safety, yes, at plus seven hundred or no at twelve fifty. And this is like the physical two point safety, not the one point single. Obviously, uh, Rouge. Uh, I'm gonna go again. Have we? Was there a safety this year? I can't think of. Was there a few? Okay. Was it this year where the Elks uh, gave up three safeties in one game and on consecutive drives to the Bombers, or was that last season? Well, that was last season. Ah. This one, I'm going to say no. I'm going to go no on this, even though it doesn't pay a lot. But just, you don't see it too often. So, I'll go no. Adam? I'm going to go yes, because every time that you take a knee when you're on your two-yard line and go in the end zone, that is considered a safety. So, mm. yep, there's going to be a safety. Wasn't wasn't there a great cup or two decided by that recently, too? So, I would take yes on this one as well, uh, partially because I think Mark Leggio is actually pretty good at the coffin corner punting, um, and I think could potentially leave the Argos down at their one-yard line, or Zach Caleros likes to throw a lot of interceptions in the end zone. Somebody takes it out, gets stopped at the one-yard line, ends up with the safety. I think, obviously, on the other side, you could think of the same thing as well. Lots of variations. Again, 
not betting huge on any of these silly, uh, kind of sillier prop bets. But if, if we're talking, you know, throw a dollar in there, sure, I'll take yes on this. All right, real quick, got two more. First score of the game, touchdown at plus 115, field goal at plus 140, anything other. So I guess that would be safety or rouge at plus 500. I'm taking the any other because there's going to be a one-point rouge kickoff or punt or something stupid at the beginning of the game, Ryan. Uh, what is the odds on uh, – oh, I guess that can't be the first score of the game. I was going to guess. So I say, what are the odds on the first score being the uh, missed convert return for a touchdown that BC just pulled off against Winnipeg last week? That would week? probably be any other, I guess, right? So Yeah. But um, it wouldn't be yet yeah, because they would have to score a touchdown first, right? Yeah, so, they would have to yeah, unless we change the rule book, but I don't think that's going to happen in the Grey Cup. So – uh, I'm going to say field goal. I'm going to say somebody gets a decent drive down the field to start off the game and then gets it just short and kicks the field goal to go up 3 nothing. Yeah, no, I agree with Ryan. I think it'll be a field goal. However, I would sure love it. To, I would love to know the odds of kickoff return for a touchdown because that would be just sweet. And also, if it happened in the second half, somebody becomes a millionaire while watching the Great Cup. Now, the interesting thing, we talked about both of these kickers being two of the worst kickers in the league in terms of percentage this year. So if we're thinking kickers going down the field to kick the field goal, are we almost better off going the plus 500 on him missing and going out the end zone for the Rouge, right? I'm still taking the field goal, though, but an interesting thought. Well, now you got me thinking, looking to see if there was kick returns, but they don't have that on cool, but it might be out there somewhere else. Last one I thought was fun. First team to call a timeout. Uh, both teams are at minus 110. I'm going to go with the Argos. Um, just the maybe an experience in this game. O'Shea doesn't call a lot of timeouts unless they're strategic. I wonder if that – I got to double check. I wonder if that counts if you lose a challenge um, because that would you would lose a timeout for that, right? So I wouldn't think so. That's losing a timeout, not using it, but – I, I got to double check. It doesn't really say in the fine print here, but yeah, but you don't, I don't know. You don't have it for the rest of the game. You did use it to use your challenge, right? So I would say that it would, but I'll go Toronto, uh, Ryan. Yeah, I'm going Toronto as well because I don't have confidence in Ryan Dinwiddie's ability to know when to use them. Uh, we've seen, uh, we've seen some clock management issues in the past uh, last season. Granted, he's been better this year. Uh, but uh, I think O'Shea is the more veteran coach here, obviously, and is better in terms of the strategics of when to use these. So I could see, I could also see, you know, if Winnipeg does jump out early, uh, Toronto using the the timeout to kind of settle things down a little bit, potentially. Uh, so I'll pick Toronto on this one, but again, kind of a coin toss. Adam? Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I think Toronto, if anybody, uh, depends on that challenge thing. To me, I know what in the NFL they always go and they say uh, X not, our X team is challenging the play for pass interference, and then they say timeout. So, I don't know. To me, if it's just cha- just taking a literal timeout, no, nah, it'll be Toronto. Well, the thing is, I don't. Osh doesn't even challenge heck of a lot, so I wouldn't. Even if that did count, I wouldn't even. I don't think I would think of Winnipeg at all. That's all the fun ones on Cool Bet. Uh, I was hoping they had the Gatorade one. The Super Bowl always has the Gatorade one of what color it's going to be when they dump it on the coach. Uh, couldn't find the odds on that one, but uh, got it. You'd think the Bombers and the Argos are good chance it's going to be blue, but you never know. 
these are fun. I like these. I wish we had these for the CFL all season long. Some of these at least to talk about. Uh, I feel like NFL probably has that more so, but I know CFL even like just looking at some of the sports books this season, like you didn't get a whole ton of like player props. Even a couple of them have player props and they come up kind of same day right before the game type of thing. Um, Definitely. I mean, obviously the CFL is starting to get more and more into the betting scene. So uh, I hope when we come back and, uh, you know, potentially do a betting segment like this again next season that uh, maybe we can have some fun prop bet lines to uh, to throw in there with our picks each week. Of course, we don't have to go into it, but there are ones uh, like the over and under on the yards of teams, first touchdowns, uh, longest touchdowns of the game, length of the first touchdown, uh, Winnipeg's combined yardage on touchdowns over and under and Toronto has that too. So there is a lot of crazy little things that they have, and this is just on cool bets. So I don't even know what other places might have. Yeah, for sure. Make sure you check out all the different sports books to find your uh, best lines there or check out bet stamp. I don't think there's odds on these specific types of props, but for your game lines, find the best odds for your area. Uh, if you're going to make a pick and uh, maximize your money you're making there. Um, Thanks for bringing those along here today, Trey, a uh, resident betting expert. Excellent job all season long. Excellent job here today. Uh, guys, I think we're all set for Grey Cup 109. I think we're ready to, uh, you know, go out and enjoy the rest of Grey Cup week and uh, get into talking about or getting to enjoying the festivities and the game this coming Sunday. Uh, and let's take a look at what we're doing here on the podcast just to round things out the rest of the season here. A little bit of a scheduling change. Sunday night after the Grey Cup, 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. The guys will be here to break down everything for the game for you. Uh, Adam, Mike, Trey, you'll be live uh, somewhere, presumably straight after actually going to the game. So that should be fun and exciting. I'm hoping Dairy Queen's not busy. That's what I'm hoping for. (laughs) I'm hoping you don't end up going down Albert Street and going and knocking a light pole over. (laughs) <laughs> I won't be driving. I will be driving to the game. I'll be walking. So I'll try to find somewhere nice and to or not walking to the game, but you know, taxi or bus. We'll figure it out once uh once I arrive. Yeah, these three guys will uh be here to recap the game Sunday. Might show up if the timing works. I've got family coming over to watch the game. I'm not sure it will work for myself, unfortunately. Uh, but they'll be here with you to recap uh, everything from the night's uh, games uh, or the game of the evening and the final result and all that fun stuff. Uh, so make sure you check that out and uh, or catch it uh, throughout the week, obviously, after the fact in the audio and the video feeds. Uh, it'll be live over on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and the Game Time TV YouTube page. Thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV, which you can learn more about at GameTimeTV.ca. Uh, and then after that, the following show, the, the, I believe uh, this date is correct and confirmed at this point. Uh, we will, uh, the following Monday, November 28th, our CFL season wrap-up show uh, will be 9 p.m. Central time for that one as well. So we're going to take a week off after the Grey Cup, decompress a little bit, let some of the post-Grey Cup news come out. And then hopefully, I think all four of us are going to be here back for that one. Uh, hopefully that all works out. Uh, all four of us will be here, uh, if it works out to kind of wrap up and put a bow on the season. And then we'll talk about a little bit more, perhaps at the end of that one, what the plans are coming into the off season and, uh, what you can look forward to or where you can find 
uh, what we're doing going forward here. Uh, but you can catch that one live uh, on all the same platforms or after the fact as well. Uh, if you want to follow us on social media, uh, well, for now, I hear there's been a lot of trending on Twitter tonight of rip Twitter and talks that Twitter uh, may be going down um, because thanks, Elon. Um, for the time being, you can find us on Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. We hope it sticks around. Uh, and on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash CF Countdown Pod. Find all the other shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network there as well. Uh, guys, where can people find you and everything you've got going on? Uh, let's start with you, Trey. All I know is if uh, Twitter dies tonight, I better get my nine ninety nine back because I didn't get the full month of verified in. Right, I only got like a week of it. So yeah, Elon will be getting my bill in the mail for that. Um, but you can find me at Trey MB Harness. I really, I, I really hope Twitter doesn't go down because my whole life is Twitter right now uh, with work and this. So yeah, at Trey MB Harness, I always got some horse racing stuff. Edmonton starts on Friday at Century Mile, so. Yeah, I don't know why they race in Edmonton in November to January. That sounds so stupid to me. But uh, yeah, and uh, Cal- California starts and there's a lot of Manitoba people there. So if you want to know about what Manitobans are doing when it's too cold to race here, follow my Twitter at Trey MB Harness and you'll see. Uh, yeah, my buddy, he just had a kid and he's like, oh, it's really nice in California right now. And I told him about how I'm going to the game on Sunday and it's not going to be as nice as what it is in California. So yeah, that's uh, the life of horse racing when you can go around and do that stuff. Adam, where they can find you? Well, they can find me at Adam Stewart One for now, I guess. I'll have some farming pictures up there eventually. But this weekend, lots of great cup party photos. I know I'll be all over there. Me and Trey will be touring around. So make sure you find us somewhere out in Regina and go and give us a pat on the back or a pat in the head, a smack in the head if you're a Bomber fan that don't like me for giving the our truths and the Argonauts. Hey, just come and talk to us. We're, we're usually pretty sociable. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have a bunch of pictures from there. We'll be we'll be touring around there. Uh, Trey's going to be there all weekend. I'll be there until later Saturday. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it should be a great game here this weekend. Uh, uh, you can also find Mike. He's at Mike Garrell. Uh, he is, again, probably busy with uh, some hockey. But you know what? If you're enjoying that kind of stuff, make sure you go check out Mike as well. Uh, oh, I Ryan, forgot. Real quick, I forgot to tell Richard. Richard was saying something about World Cup predictions. I don't have one yet, but if you want, I'm going to try to bet on every game and try to figure something out and learn soccer since it's going to take over. So follow me there. And yes, Richard, I am going to the game. I couldn't afford it. Me and Adam, we worked out some uh, some deals, and it looks like I'm going to be hauling hay for the next 37 years, I think we settled on. Something well, like that. 38, but we're negotiating a lot. 38, something like that. So, you know, it's uh, we work, we worked it out. Ryan, where can they find you? Oh, uh, I first I of give, all. oh, I was gonna give my world cup prediction too. Oh, ah, what the heck? I'm gonna take Canada because they're cheap and they could maybe win a game or two. And it, if they if they win the whole thing, what is it, Trey? Like just one buck gives you three thousand or something. It was, I did see it. It was something ridiculous for Canada. I was looking at it the other day, but I don't seriously think Canada's going to win. But that again is that bet where you would put, you know, a couple bucks down and see who it is here. Let me see if I can. Ryan, you tell them where they can find you, and I'll tell you what the odds are by the end of it. 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, for now, obviously, at Cooper Trooper 42 Don't tweet a whole lot there, but if you want to talk CFL, CFL fantasy, any of that fun stuff, uh, I don't have a World Cup prediction because I honestly can't tell you which teams are in it. Um, so I hear Canada's in it. That's exciting. And maybe Qatar, since it's there. Um, other than that, I couldn't really tell you. Not huge into soccer. I used to follow the Grey Cup. Uh, well, Obviously, I currently follow the Grey Cup as well. I've chatted about it for the last hour and 45 minutes. Uh, I used to follow the World Cup a little bit more, but uh, maybe I'll get into it this November as well. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter there. Uh, is this going to be the first official meeting between the two of you this weekend? Or are you going to be running in the same circles and meeting up at the Grey Cup, by the way? I was going to say, I'm going to be the, f- I, th- I believe I'm the first podcast member to have met everybody in person after this oh, weekend. Yeah, so, you would be, yeah. So, oh, you yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Trey completes the bingo card first. We would have thought it. But yeah, real quick, a $10 bet pays to $5,010 if Canada wins. So, again, that kind of helps. Uh, if I was really going to go for it, I'm not going with England. They're cursed in this tournament. No. Germany would be my it, actual pick. I, I'm feeling Argentina. I think this is um, Messi's last World Cup. So you never know what he could do. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, again, I'm not too much into it. So I, and, I just know they're asking about Trey. He still has to make sure that he stops at the Saskatchewan border. Make sure that he has all his current vaccinations because we don't trust him crossing the border otherwise. So, uh, yeah, you got to get checked out before you cross. Sorry, I'm going to have to make sure I stop at like Wolseley or whatever. It has that little bathroom on the side there. I stopped at it every time this year. And they have a little book that you got to sign when you stop in. So I got to make sure I sign it again. <laughs> Is the book just you over and over again? <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I just ate. <laughs> Uh, it's been a lot of fun here tonight, guys. Uh, it's been a lot of fun all season long. Obviously, the game on Sunday should be a blast. And looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about it uh, right afterwards on Sunday as well. Enjoy the trip out there, Trey. Enjoy the time together there, guys. And uh, everybody enjoy this weekend. And for the final time this year, enjoy the uh, the CFL game. The Grey Cup 109, Winnipeg or Toronto. One of these teams has taken it home. Uh, as always, Thanks for everybody who's joined us live. A lot of fun comments in the chat here as well. Uh, Whatever podcast platform you're listening on, either now or after the fact, we appreciate if you do all the fun things, such as leave us a comment, like the show, subscribe, rate, review, share it with your friends, help us grow it. Uh, We always appreciate that. On behalf of our panel here this evening, Trey and Adam, I'm Ryan saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.